I'm Heather Campbell, and this is You Are Made For More, conversations about strength training, nutrition, and transformation. Welcome to episode seven of the You Are Made For More podcast. This episode captures thoughts and ideas and perspectives about strength, femininity, and solopreneurship. I am surrounded by incredibly strong, talented, brilliant, and beautiful women. This lifts me up, it inspires me, it pushes me to be my best self. And I wanted to bring this to my listeners and share some of the perspectives that are out there about strength, about femininity, and hopefully dispel many of the myths about strength training and getting too quote unquote bulky or losing your femininity. This is entirely within your control. You get to be who you want to be. You get to define what femininity means for you. Let's break those barriers down and let's start by hearing what Chelsea and Kendra have to say. Hey, Chelsea and Kendra, thank you so much for being on my podcast and coming to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, been wanting to do this for a while, so I'm glad that we were able to come together. So a little bit of background um, for the audience. Kendra, um, you are Texas born, uh, but are currently based in Portland. And you are a photographer and videographer and um, lift a lot of really heavy weight. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And Chelsea, um, you are from Washington State, but also currently living in Portland. And started a personal uh, training and nutrition coaching business recently and are part of the Ironside coaching team now. That's right. Yeah. And um, Kendra is also um, part of the Ironside family. In addition to being on the powerlifting team, she also keeps things running smoothly. She kind of, I guess, I would call you the operations director. (laughs) Yeah, basically operations, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a little fun thing to know about Kendra, um, she broke a 500-pound deadlift this year. Um, I got to watch it. (laughs) I got to watch it on video. Um, I wasn't there to see it live, but was definitely watching. um, And that's something that you have been working towards for a long time. And it was so awesome to see you do it. Yeah, that was, that was wild. Yeah. It's just been, I, it's just one of those numbers you never think will actually happen until it does. And you're like, well, okay, here we are. (laughs) So it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Five zero zero audience, 500 pounds, <laughs> a lot of weight, a lot of weight. And you're also, I just learned this fluent in French. I am. That was, uh, that was my, my original goal before the recession and things happened. So yeah, but I wanted to be a French translator for a long time and just studied it 
from middle school all the way through college and loved it. So studied abroad. Yeah. Cool. That is very cool. And Chelsea, Chelsea tells me she's a burner. <laughs> so any favorite burner stories for us? Well, um, I think anyone who's been can relate to this. All the good stories probably aren't appropriate for this podcast, but I will just say it is the place that makes me feel most like a little kid again. And so like, that's the experience that draws me to it. That sounds pretty amazing. One of these days I'm going to get there. I believe it. <laughs> well, we're here today to have a conversation about strength, femininity, and solopreneurship or entrepreneurship. I like to call it solopreneurship because uh, we all own um, our businesses and we are the only employee owner, operator, social media, trainer, photographer. <laughs> we do it all. We wear all the hats. Um, and we all are power lifters and spend a lot of uh, hours training. Uh, we're all nationally qualified, have competed nationally, and Kendra's heading to the Worlds this year to represent Team USA, was, which is super exciting. Um, we all hold national um, or state and some national records and world records. Uh, so um, pretty solid uh, group of power lifters coming together to talk to you about the balance of running a business training um, and also, you know, maintaining our femininity and make making that at least for me i don't want to speak for the both of you but that is something that i have particularly enjoyed and loved about becoming uh, a power lifter and lifting such heavy weight but um also maintaining um you know the the lifestyle the look and all of that that um i choose to and regardless of what anyone else thinks about a woman lifting heavy weight, um, we can look and be and and do whatever whatever we choose. And so, I uh, wanted to bring you on to talk more about that, um, and especially in the entrepreneurial space as well. And um, you know, being being physically strong, but also um, you know, mentally and emotionally strong as well. So let's jump into um, kind of your journeys. Kendra, we'll start with you. Um, what is your fitness background and did you play any sports growing up? Oh, um, I, yeah, I was a swimmer uh, my entire childhood and um, up until high school. And then um, I also did, you know, just running, cross country running. Um, and then in college, I was a rock climbing instructor and uh, I just generally kind of worked at the rec center. I was a lifeguard and then a rock climbing instructor. So I really enjoyed being around the rec center and being in the gym setting. Um, and it wasn't until 2012 when I really got into actual weightlifting. And um, 
yeah, up until then, I never wanted to touch weights. I knew I was strong. I knew I put on, but put on muscle easily and therefore I never wanted to touch it. <laughs> like I just wanted to be as small as possible. And, um, yeah, uh, 2012 was like the year that that all changed. And ever since then I've been, I've been lifting heavy weight ever since 2012. So in one way or another, and usually, uh, pretty much on my own for like five years until I finally got a coach in 2018 and got into powerlifting. I love it. And we're going to talk in a little bit about um, that feeling of wanting to be small and not wanting to lift weights because mm-hmm. of this fear of becoming bulky and, mm-hmm. and maybe looking a way we don't, we don't particularly want to look like, um, or society tells us we shouldn't look like. So Chelsea, your background, I, I know, I know you have a love for some of the sports that I've done in the past. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish that I started lifting in 2012, but, um, I actually have no background growing up in sports whatsoever. I wasn't allowed to play sports in school due to growing up in a really, really religious community. I think like the highlight of my athletic career as a child was like one time I won dodgeball in seventh grade. Um, still a little bit proud of that. <laughs> So I didn't find any sort of sports until my early 20s and uh, started with long distance running. I um, ran my first 5K, then it became a 10K, then I ran a bunch of halves, um, ran a full marathon, did a triathlon, Tough Mudder. um, And then my first introduction to touching a weight was I actually wanted to become a turbo kick instructor for 24 hour fitness, um, like group X, and they didn't have any openings. And so I started to teach body pump instead. And anyone who has been a part of the group X community at some point or another knows body pump. And it is like this little rinky dinky weights and uh, it's all choreographed on the eight count. Uh, And that was about 25 or 26 at the time. So that was my first time touching a weight. And from there, it wasn't even for another few years that I found my way to the barbell that was um, actually in CrossFit. So uh, powerlifting and I were introduced in last, it would have been 2021. So I've had um, had a few years in performance sports under my belt with CrossFit, but am still fairly new to pure strength. And it's been such a blast. Yeah, you definitely have taken to it. <laughs> I've watched you hit a bunch of personal records and uh, earn some medals. And yeah, I think uh, I think you and the barbell are a good fit. <laughs> I think so. Now we're in a committed relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Um, I... I also used to run, um, did a lot of halves. That was my favorite distance and, um, also did CrossFit, which introduced me to the barbell and did that for, um, several years. And then I got hooked on bodybuilding, competed in that for a while. Um, and it was always spoken in whispered in my ear that I, I should switch to powerlifting because I was training at Ironside where, you know, we all train ourselves. And I finally made the leap um, two years ago into powerlifting. And I'm so glad I did uh, because it uh, it's pretty amazing to be able to, um, 
I don't know, just see so much growth and, and so much progression um, in such a short period of time when you have a coach and you're surrounded by really inspiring athletes and strong people everywhere. And it, um, I love it. I love it so much. And then I got to meet both of you. So that's pretty big bonus as well. Even more reason to love it. Yes. Yes. Um, so let's, let's talk about gyms and strength sports. You know, we, we, we've all had experience, um, either teaching, well, I guess we've all, you know, taught classes in, and, um, in the gym setting different types of gyms. And we've all experienced, uh, different types of gyms working out ourselves. And have you ever, have you ever felt intimidated, uncomfortable, um, you know, walking into a gym, going to a new gym or certain areas, even in a gym? I would say the first powerlifting gym I walked into, I was definitely intimidated. Um, I guess because I've always been athletic and always kind of been comfortable in fitness settings. I always saw the gym as like a big playground. So that it was always a fun experience, but yeah, when I started getting into actual very into powerlifting, which is very, you know, male dominated, especially at the time. Um, yeah, it was very intimidating. And I mean, we're fortunate enough to go to Ironside where I think we do our best to take away a lot of that intimidation factor. And we also have a ton of, you know, women, LGBTQ, we have a lot of representation at Ironside, but the first powerlifting gym I went to didn't necessarily have that. And so that was definitely, um, very intimidating, <laughs> very, like definitely made me very nervous to walk in there just cause I'd never put myself into that sort of setting before. So it was a little overwhelming. Chelsea. Well, I remember when I, so I lived in San Francisco at the time. And like I said, I was um, teaching body pump. And so I would take the public transit over to teach my classes in the evenings. And as I would get off the train to walk down 24 hour fitness, I would cross or pass by this CrossFit gym. And every single time I would walk like a little bit slower, just like, what are they doing in there? What is happening? There's so much chaos and it looks so fun and so intimidating all at once. Um, it took me probably like six months to work up the courage to actually walk through the door and express interest. Um, so like now, you know, I work uh, in the industry and I have a lot of beginners who come to me and I always just say like, sometimes it's just like the walking through the door for the first time and saying, hey, I have interest in this thing that scares me in the best sort of way um, that it takes the most courage. So I've definitely experienced that in the past. And like, um, you know, just like with anything else, like once you're there and you realize that they're just other humans and everyone's welcoming and such, like it, it takes all of that fear away, but I've absolutely experienced that. Yeah, I, I have as well. And I think that I've been extremely fortunate in finding, I found a CrossFit community and then found a powerlifting community that made me feel very, very welcome. Um, the first couple of CrossFit gyms that I tried were not a good experience. And um, they, they really made beginners feel unwelcome. It was very clicky. 
um, just not welcoming at all. And the CrossFit gym that I ended up going to uh, for five years had a community very similar to Ironside, very inclusive, extremely friendly, extremely welcoming, especially for beginners. Um, you know, even your, your very first class making you, you know, feel like a rock star, just, you know, with whatever you were capable of doing in your very first class. And I really love that. And I see that happening at Ironside all the time as well which is so wonderful because unfortunately, even, even today, uh, gyms still intimidate a lot of women. And, 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 you know, I, I imagine even a broader population than that, where, you know, people just don't feel comfortable. And so getting started is the hardest part and stepping, you know, just stepping through the doorway. <clears throat> With strength training, um, there, there's a lot of physical change that that's obvious that happens, right? So let's talk about um, the changes that you've experienced from strength training, particularly powerlifting. Let's let's kind of focus in on powerlifting. So physically, but also, I'd love for you to share what has also transformed for you in the the mental space, the emotional space, um, and, you know, and, and anything else that you've experienced that maybe surprised you that you didn't know would happen. Um, sure. Uh, I, I can start. Um, so with powerlifting, certainly physically, I don't know, as soon as I realized, as soon as I got a coach and I realized that this could actually be a thing. I could actually compete and actually be decent at the sport. Um, my entire perspective changed on my body and how to use my body. And it didn't, it, it immediately changed from what does my body look like to what my, what, did, what can my body do and how can I feel my body to achieve the things I'm looking to achieve that are not remotely physically like, you know, um, superficial at all, like complete, for me, it was a complete eradication of physical goals at that time. So I was so focused on the numbers and like achieving things and, you know, perfecting my form. And so, um, yeah, the superficial focus that I always had for a long time just kind of evaporated as soon as I started getting really serious about this and it transformed my relationship with food, um, to being, you know, how can I best feel my body to reach my goals? Not like, how can I eat the least? How can I be the leanest at all times? Um, how can I look feminine by eating less? I don't know all the weird concepts we have around, you know, food and just being small that all, that all just, it just kind of solved itself by the shift in mindset towards performance. And, um, and mentally, mentally power. I, I don't think people realize how much of a mental, exercise power lifting is in addition to the physical. So, I mean, it's, you're dealing with the human body and it's very unpredictable, even with all the variables that we try to control and predict and in your training, but like, you just have to kind of accept that there's always a natural ebb and flow to your, to your strength or like just keeping those variables perfect at all times, isn't always possible. So there's definitely a mental, a mental hill to climb where you can't, you can't get stuck in those you know, those ebb and flow cycles and you can't let that dictate 
how you feel about yourself or your performance or whatever. Like there's always, it's always going to come back. It's always going to, you just have to kind of ride the waves of whatever your body is going to bring to you that day. And so that's been a big mental exercise to overcome when you're trying to like set records all the time and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot to that. Yeah. I I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad that you mentioned, you know, the being tiny again and, you know, where, where it even comes from. I'm not even sure because I I hear it even today with young girls and teenagers um, wanting to be a smaller size, already dieting at 12 years old. And, you know, I thought, I thought I had hoped (laughs) that we had gotten away from, you know, this, this pressure and, and this need to be small and how, femininity and beauty are defined and why can't having a muscular body be feminine? Like who says that that's not feminine? Who says that being, you know, a tiny sock clothing size, which is just silly when you think about it in the first place, how that's supposed to make us better somehow more likable or whatever. Um, And so I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up and, and that, you know, your mindset shifted yet. I know you and those that know you and see you on Instagram or see you in person, you are a very feminine, very beautiful woman. You have not lost any of that. And, and, and I don't, and I don't mean that in a negative way that like somehow, you know, you pick up a barbell and all of a sudden, like you can't be feminine anymore. Um, your choice to remain feminine has, you know, that's the reality of it. You, you choose to be feminine. You choose to look the way you do and lifting 500 pounds off the floor has not changed that in any way, shape or form. Having a little more muscle on your frame, which translates into more weight, right? Your overall body weight's more. That is not taken away any of your identity and how you want to be identified. And I love that so much. Yeah, absolutely. We have, you, yeah, you have so much control over how you want to be perceived, how you want to perceive yourself. And none of that, it turned out, none of that was tied to how tiny my body was like none, absolutely none of that. I think if anything, I feel more empowered as a woman, um, as a person who chooses to be very feminine, you know, I feel more empowered knowing that I am physically capable of these things. And, um, it just kind of makes you, it makes you feel untouchable in a lot of ways. Like I, I can do this. Um, I can, I can do pretty much anything. Like you just, you, it just opens your mind to like, I can be feminine as much as I want and I can pick up 500 pounds. Like those things are not interrelated. If anything, they, they complement each other. And, uh, so I just embrace that. Yeah. Well, I think Kendra and I both grew up in a time when like heroin chic was the look. So like now like the kids today have like Lizzo and such. We didn't have any of that. And so we were always taught that smaller is better. Um, I totally resonate with what you're saying, Kendra, where working with the barbell taught you that a smaller body size is not necessarily something that is super desirable. So you were taught like that being bigger is okay. Um, On that same note, um, the barbell also taught me to not be small. Uh, Strength training taught me that I don't want to be small emotionally or mentally either. And so 
when we think about like how that represents physically, then also like how you take up space in a room. Um, you know, when I started, first started powerlifting, I was still in the corporate world and I worked in a male dominated, dominated industry in which most of my peers were 20 plus years my senior. And um, you have to fight every single day for respect. And I, a lot of, for most of my 20s, I lot of, let a lot of stuff slide. And once I started strength training, I was so much quicker to not let any of that BS um, be passed my way. I wasn't saying sorry for things that I wasn't sorry for. I was setting boundaries and enforcing them. Um, and I wasn't afraid to take up space in a room because I had just as much of a right to be there as everyone else. So that was like another uh, unexpected side effect, I suppose, of strength tra training that I couldn't have anticipated in the beginning. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I've experienced that same thing. You know, we've all we've all come from a corporate background, um, and I know, I know. For me, the role of strength training, and even before I picked up a barbell, um, but doing anything that required more physical strength. Uh, definitely translated well um, into my career, um, or it, it kind of set a foundation. And it was it was powerlifting that really kind of set set me or sent me over, you know, that that last hurdle um, to be okay with taking up space and not always trying to make myself smaller and tinier and. And, but no, I can take up just as much room as anyone else, you know, in this conference room or in this meeting or, or, you know, wherever. Um, and so I, that's one of the things that I share with my clients all the time is to, to open up to that and experience how physical strength can just trickle into all areas of your life. And, you know, what you're saying, Chelsea, it's so true, you know, that, that, that emotional and that, and that mental space, you gain so much more confidence because of what you're capable of, you know, in, in the gym. And, you know, again, what Kendra was saying too, it's like, wow, you know, like the mental aspects of this sport combined with the physical and the accomplishments just really lift you up and, and make you realize that I don't have to be small. You know, I don't know who wrote that rule, but I say no to that rule. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Any, yeah. Go ahead, Kendra. Um, I, I did CrossFit for two months and I, I thought it was interesting that you both had done that too. Cause I had actually never seen a muscular woman until I think we, I think in 20, 2010, 2012, like when CrossFit was really starting to explode, that was the first time I'd really seen like, a, you know, I'd really seen muscles on women, like, when, you know, and Chelsea made a perfect point. Like when I was growing up, it was all about like extremely thin fashion models. And then, and then kind of like, Facebook and Instagram start growing and you start seeing like CrossFit kind of growing around that time. You're like, Oh, okay. People, yeah, you can be fit. You can be really fit. And like, I don't know that. I just remember seeing 
the first few, like I vividly remember seeing the first few CrossFit women ever that I had come across on Instagram. I was like, wow, like that's a possibility, you know, and like that's, there are other options. <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. definitely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's really what it's all about is that there are an infinite number of options of what physical space, you know, you want to take up and what you want to be and how you want to look it, and it should be that way, right? You should look however you want to look. <laughs> and if you want to be muscular, be muscular. I love being muscular. Absolutely love it. Um, probably when I was a kid, uh, probably, you know, probably was like, ew, no, <laughs> because that's what society told me. But now um, I can't imagine being any other way. I, I love it. I love a very athletic, muscular body. Um, in whatever gender somebody identifies as, um, or no gender, you know, like I, I love it. I think, I think it's fantastic because I think it, it just, it's to me, it just speaks, it speaks about that person's commitment to themselves and they can work hard and, you know, like I, 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 the physical, yes, I like the physical, but I, it's such, it's the whole picture for me. I love all that comes with that, you know, somebody that has that drive, that's willing to, to commit to something. Cause it, so for all you listeners out there, it is not easy to put muscle on. Okay. You have to work really freaking hard <laughs> to put muscle on. You do not just walk into the gym and lift oh. some weight and bam, you're, you know, you're muscular. It takes years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the, the hardest things that you've experienced in your strength training careers so far? You want to go first, Chelsea? I've been going first. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. I was getting kind of used to our order. Let's break it up. <laughs> uh, I think the hardest thing for me is just the fact that I am inherently an impatient person and the barbell over and over and over again has to teach me patience that this is a sport that takes patience and consistency and there's no shortcut. There is no silver bullet. And every time I try to rush it, I get humbled. So for me, it's just like the constant relearning of the lesson that this is, I mean, it's funny using a, another sport analogy, but this is a marathon. And so it matters how I show up every single day. Um, and trusting the process and staying consistent through ebbs and flows of motivation or, you know, um, feelings of having fun and just really sticking with it through for the long haul. That has been the toughest part for me because I want so badly for the, the instant gratification. You know, I want so badly to be maxing out regularly and that's just not how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say for me, um, huh. so I, for me, I find, um, I find competing, the competing part of powerlifting very stressful still. And I actually never wanted to do the meets. I just wanted to lift and have the fun in the gym. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, but now that I'm on the other side of it, now that I'm like doing the meets and I, you know, I'm breaking records and stuff like that. Now, now it's like, I need to, I, it's very easy to take it too seriously now where it's like, okay, I have to be progressing. I have to be like, I put in all the work 
And it, when I don't see the same progress that maybe some of my peers are seeing and we're putting in the same amount of time and it's like, why is this not working? And like, you get very frustrated if you, and, and almost perfectionistic because you want to control all the variables to guarantee progress. And if it doesn't happen, you're like, why did that formula not work? And it just, like, so I went from like not wanting to compete at all to now taking it way too seriously sometimes. And so I just need to find the balance in there where it's like, this is still fun. This is still something I choose to do. And it's, you know, it's a journey and that number is going to be there eventually, whether it's next month or next year, eventually it'll be there. You just have to trust that, you know, you just have to enjoy the moment and not always be chasing the next, the next number and beating yourself up for not sleeping a perfect eight hours or whatever the case is, you know, like you can't, can't be perfectionistic about it all the time. You kind of, you have to find the balance to maintain your longevity and sanity. As you've both been speaking, um, it, it all makes so much sense because you know, we, we have these corporate backgrounds, we have very analytical minds, but at the same time, <laughs> we also, especially you, Kendra, have this huge creative side as well. And um, I, you guys are like, you have it all. I admire you both so much because you really do balance it all out. And I'm not saying that it's easy <laughs> and I know it can be a huge struggle. Um, and, but it, it's just, I think you're such great role models for especially, um, well, for women of all ages really, and men, if they could, you know, take their insecurity blinders off, sorry, men. Um, but I had to say it, um, you know, it, it's like, yeah, you can do it all. You can train hard in the gym. You can be an athlete. You can be a competitive athlete. You can have an athlete mindset. You can have an amazing career and both, you know, you, you both were in the corporate world and were very successful there and, you know, took your skills, took your creativity. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more and in, in um, a little bit later in the podcast, but, you know, we're like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm starting my own business. And um, it's, it's very, it's empowering uh, to watch it and to get to know you and to see it happen and, and be, be a part of it. So yay. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I kind of, I want to shift a little bit into talking about perceptions of strength training. You know, we've touched upon it. We've, we, we've brought, it's been brought up. So, you know, so far in the conversation, but I want to get a little bit deeper into the perceptions of strength training uh, you know, your, your experience, what you hear other people say and how femininity, you know, fits into that and, and how are you defining, um, your own femininity or femininity in general? That's a hard one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. Um, yeah, I, I guess I've always felt like I've always felt very comfortable for the most part doing both masculine and masculine and feminine. I mean, air quoting, but like 
but doing things, I think because I grew up with so many women in my family, I have four, I have four sisters. Um, and for a long time, it was my sisters, and my mom, and then my mom remarried. So I've been surrounded by women. And so I was kind of always the athletic, you know, one outside getting dirty, doing weird, like just doing sports and stuff like that. So I think because I grew up with that identity from the beginning, I was kind of comfortable balancing that I think that's kind of carried over into adulthood for me and in the pursuits I've done now especially powerlifting um it, it's only strengthened that view of femininity for me as there's a lot of power behind it and um you know most of the, even most of the women in my family are very like powerful women um you know we're, it's a stereotyping from Texas and being like a powerful woman but it really is like I grew up with in a heavily feminine environment, but there was also an undertone of like, you should be, you should be powerful. You should be able to stand up for yourself and you should be able to, um, to own it. And so I think, um, fortunately I just, even though we had those barriers with society on how, you know, how you're supposed to look and all that, um, I still had that in the back of my mind, that, that power. And so that's really just, um, yeah, that's just, that's just made the journey so much easier for me. Cause I've just, it's just become, and it's just embody that more and more as I've gone further down this, this path. So. Yeah. Thank you, Kendra. How about for you, Chelsea? Okay. Um, I honestly had a hard time coming up with an answer to this question, because when I think of femininity, my mind quickly goes to like the gender stereotypes that we as a society associate with being feminine, which would be like nurturing, warm, emotional, empathetic gentle, whatever it may be. Um, and I also think it's pretty safe to say that these are socially constructed as every human being has varying degrees of masculinity and femininity. Um, and with that being said, like the qualities that are more attributed to masculinity are more in line with the sport of powerlifting, such as being assertive, courageous, and focused. And for myself, like, I really enjoy tapping into those qualities. I think it's extremely powerful. But as soon as I re-rack that barbell or set that barbell down, I'm able to turn right around and have a gentle and empathetic conversation with a client or go home and, like, put on, you know, a very feminine outfit that makes me feel good. Um, so... I guess what I'm saying is like powerlifting doesn't actually make me feel more feminine, but it's also never threatened my femininity as I don't believe that the two are tied together at all. And tapping into my more masculine side in this, is, in this example has helped me to unlearn some of the terrible teachings that I learned in diet culture, um, mainly how to stop tying myself worth to my body size and stop chasing a smaller version of myself. And quite frankly, like, if someone is threatened by me or us being strong and powerful women, then that's more of a reflection of them than it is of us. So I guess that's, that's kind of a long-winded answer to say that I don't view the two as being tied together at all. I really, I really value that perspective a lot, Chelsea. I think you really eloquently expressed a lot of what I have felt um, through the years, having many times um, 
been told throughout my life, especially, and, and I've got a few years, um, you know, before <laughs> of experience before you guys were born, but, um, you know, I, when I came into the world, it was just as the women's rights movement, you know, had, you know, finally, you know, crossed over and the ERA had been passed and women were, you know, starting to demand, um, equality and to be, you know, looked at differently. Right. So that's when I came into the world and it was still a big struggle as a kid, as a teenager, and even into my twenties to figure out my place in the world, because I very much agree with you, Chelsea, about that, that duality um, of masculinity and masculinity and femininity. I love both. I love having both. And why, and, and I grew up, you know, saying, why can't I have both? Because society was telling me that I couldn't. And I was, and so I was shamed. I was in relationships, you know, uh, with partners was difficult because my partners expected me to be a certain way. And I was like, but that's not all of who I am. I've always been you know, what is considered very feminine looking, um, and love to dress up love. I mean, you know, my sparkly bodybuilding bikini strutting across the stage. I love that. I love that. Right. I, I love putting on the makeup and, and the fancy clothes and, and dressing up once in a while. And, and, but there's also a very, very strong masculine side that I embrace and love. And it, it really has been the last, you know, maybe five, six, seven years of being so dedicated and focused in the strength sports world, 10 years maybe, um, that I am feeling so comfortable with having both. And, I'm, and I feel very blessed that I have both and that I can be both. Um, and the powerlifting world, especially in the community, you know, that I've found the Ironside community, you can be whoever you want to be there. And, you know, you, you, it's your choice. It's nobody else's choice. It's your choice. And if I, you know, want to be super feminine and come in and, and, you know, lift several hundred pounds, I can do that. And nobody's going to shame me for it. Right. So I, I love that you brought that up. Thank you. Cause that, that's been a, that's been a very difficult, um, thing for me throughout my life is, is accepting that I'm, I, there's nothing wrong with me because I'm both. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. We love you just the way you are. Any way that, any way that you choose to show up. Aw, thank you. <laughs> So let's, <laughs> let's, let's transition to this big leap that you both have very recently taken um, from your secure, you know, well-paid <laughs> benefits, retirement, the whole, you know, the whole package, right? Um, and you both decided uh, that that was not the direction for you anymore. That was not your path into the future. And there was something else that was 
calling you and, and driving you and something that you were willing to take the risk to do. And, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the empowerment, the confidence, the taking up space, uh, the mental and emotional aspects of strength training, particularly powerlifting. And did that help you make the decision? Did it indirectly, you know, did it have a part to play in finally making the choice um, to go for it? Uh, well, being around, so Patrick, the owner of Ironside is my partner. And um, so I, I would say before I started going to Ironside, I was never really around entrepreneurs. Like I never, no one in my family, maybe I have an aunt and uncle that had a business, but very few people in, for me growing up were role models for starting your own business. So I didn't know anybody personally who did that. Um, you know, my parents, I grew up in a working class family and my parents were just concerned about like feeding us. So like there was no risk taking, it was get a serious paycheck, get, you know, get money, support yourself. So that's what I grew up with. And so all I knew going into college was, I just want to be able to support myself. And, um, and, you know, I, like you mentioned, I, I have a creative side as well as an analytical side. And, um, in college, I wanted to be a French translator and then the recession hit. And so that basically forced my hand, um, to they essentially the school counselors told us like, you guys need to add more specific majors. You're not going to have a job when you graduate. And they were right. So, um, so I, I, got further into business and out of finance because I kind of had to, <laughs> to get an internship and to get a job at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, and then, you know, 10 years later, I was still working in corporate analytics because it is so comfortable and so secure. It's such a tidy little package of, you know, never having to worry really. And, um, and I, you know, I was stressed and miserable, but I never had to worry. So, um, so I just, you know, you look up and it's been 10 years and you haven't really challenged yourself to say like, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this really who I am? Am I really fulfilled in any of this? Cause I never talked about it. I never took pride in what I was doing. I found it just as boring as someone else would find it if I was trying to explain it to them. So I like, I just didn't, you know, it was literally a paycheck and that's it. And, um, so going, yeah, getting into powerlifting, being around so many people in our community that have taken that leap and have successful businesses or just figuring it out along the way, being able to see that you kind of realize like, oh, it's not a cliff. Like it's not as terrifying as you make it out in your head because you're so used to, you know, being, being tidy. Right. So, um, just seeing that, that, and it still took me years. Like I started in Ironside then in 2018, it still took me until the, really the beginning of 2021 to take my creative pursuits seriously and start being paid for them. And then until the beginning of this year to actually finally step away from corporate after dreaming about it for, you know, a decade. So, um, so indirectly, I would say powerlifting just put me in touch with the community who full of people like yourself, Heather, too. I talked to you in the beginning too. And, you know, there's, there's just so many people in this community that have done it. And it does kind of make you think maybe there's a correlation, right? Like maybe there is a correlation between empowerment and building yourself mentally and physically and emotionally and, and just the self-realization that comes with that. I think that is very prevalent in our community that we have here. 
It really is, isn't it? There's there's so many business owners um, at Ironside when you really start thinking about it. Um, and both creative, creative side, both, you know, medical field. It's, it's pretty, it isn't, it's a pretty empowering group of people. Yeah. Chelsea. <laughs> uh, so Kendra and I actually made the leap like within a matter of months from each other. Uh, so kind of a similar story. I fell into sales when I was like 20 years old and it turns out I just had a knack for it. And anyone who's ever been in sales knows that it's like golden handcuffs. You're not going to make that much money doing other things. So I looked up and it had been 10 years that I was doing something that I had meant to do for a small amount of time to pay the bills. And, um, I had known for about two years that I wanted to be into fitness. I, every moment that I had, I was at the gym. It was the only thing that I've shown like a really inherent interest in that I would geek out on, on, on my own time, you know, wanting to know the whys and the hows behind everything. Um, but it took so many, it took so long to get over all of the mental hurdles of um, actually just making the leap. And like Kendra said, you realize that's not a cliff. It feels like a cliff when you're on the, when you're coming up to it, you're like, all right, well, I'm either going to fly or I'm just going to crash and burn. Um, so after about two years of um, trying to get my finances in order and running through scenarios of how I can make this work, um, and like another similarity with Kendra, I started dating my partner and he's also an entrepreneur and he's successful. So he had, a, you know, I had a, a guide in the entire process. I remember talking to you, Heather, um, at Ironside, just picking your brain about, okay, and what if this? Okay, and what about that? And you're just looking for reassurance, like, is this going to be okay? Am I still going to have a roof over my head? But um, what it comes down to is finally just like, for me, it was with each day that passed, uh, I was starting to, like, this sounds negative, but it, it, it's truly how I felt. Like I was losing respect for myself because I knew what I wanted to do and I didn't have the courage to go for it. And so finally that dry, that burning sensation of just, realizing that the only way that I was going to like get to the bottom of this was to just do it. Um, you realize like life is short and literally the worst thing that happens is that it doesn't work out. But if it doesn't work out, well, then you know that you went for something that you were interested in. You can sleep well at night knowing that you tried your best. But um, as, <laughs> as you guys know, um, we are all pretty <laughs> self-sufficient, um, independent, strong, capable women. And turns out uh, once you're off the cliff, it's not actually as scary. It's just making the decision uh, to actually go after it and put it out into the world publicly. Like, hey world, um, <clears throat> so I'm in my thirties. I'm ready to start over at ground zero in a new industry. And uh, here, everyone can watch me publicly as I go for it. But I just kind of had to get out of my own way with it. And now it's been coming up on a year and it's been so much hard work, so much hard work. I couldn't even begin to believe uh, if someone had told me that this was, it was this much hard work, I probably wouldn't have gone for it. And, but it's been the most rewarding, um, most rewarding year of work of my entire life. So 
that was the, the long story of how I got to where I'm at. But it, everything you said, Kendra, I resonate with that completely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so similar. Mm-hmm. And same for you, Heather, right? Pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, very similar. You know, just got comfortable, got really comfortable. I also, you know, took the leap of going into the corporate world to pay the bills, to try to pay down my school debt, to eventually buy a house, to be able to travel, you know, all, you know, all those things that I, that I wanted to do, um, build retirement, have benefits, you know, and I got very comfortable. My original goal was five years, five years max. And then, you know, 11 years later, I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> I've gotten really complacent. And I kind of, I kind of felt similarly to you, Chelsea, where I didn't, I didn't like myself very much for becoming so complacent and, and just thinking about the comfort of the paycheck and, you know, all the other things. Um, but it also, you know, it taught me so much. Um, I don't, I don't regret any of it. I bought a house. I paid off my school debt. I traveled the world. <laughs> I did all the things. Um, and it, it really laid an important foundation to, you know, to kind of look over that cliff and say, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, and, and here we are, you know, um, wrapping up year three and it is, it is a lot of work. Um, I agree <laughs> that it is a lot of work. It's still scary. Um, because as you both are experiencing, um, it ebbs and flows a lot. It's very hard to budget being that the three of us have pretty analytical minds. We're very organized. We like control. We like to know what's coming at us, right? A lot of that's taken away from you. And so, but that, that is, I think such a beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur and owning a business is that it teaches you so many life skills that you don't have the opportunity to learn when you are working for somebody else and you're in that structured environment and you have a guaranteed paycheck and, you know, it's it, that, that structure makes things so much less scary. And I, I've, I always liked that control. And so this, this has really forced me to live life differently and to experience life differently and to deal with my stress differently and deal with unpredictability, which I really didn't have to face very much in the past. You know, um, prior to my corporate job, other jobs, some, you know, with the recession and everything, I, I did lose my job back then, but, um, you know, I, I, I've never experienced what I've experienced with, with owning my business. And I really, really love working with other people. I love helping other people feel better. I love sharing what I've gone through, um, with my, my own fitness journey and including, you know, nutrition and how, how we can completely transform ourselves through fitness and nutrition. And it's, and it's amazing. I have a science background and I completely geek out on it all the time. I love it. <laughs> so 
yeah, it's, um, I'm glad I did it. I don't no no regrets at all. I, uh, when, when I was considering getting ready to make the leap, someone told me that a paycheck is the price they pay you to help build their dream as opposed to you building your own dream. I and like that, that like really hit home with me. That's powerful. Yeah. When you're so insulated in that, like you said, that structured environment, Heather, you don't, um, yeah, you don't realize that there is someone at the end of that taking the risk. And when you get out of the structured environment and become the person taking the risk, uh, it's just such a different experience. Um, and like you said, like, I don't regret any, I mean, I, of course I can look back and say, man, I wish I did this back then. I wish I did it so much differently, but, um, but all those life experiences gave me the skills to do this in a way that's actually successful. So I can't say that I regret those because they are, they're only helping me now. So, uh, without them, this would be a lot more difficult, I think. Yeah. What advice would you give now that, now that you've taken that leap and you're both, you know, a year plus into your businesses, what advice would you give someone who came to you with the same questions that you had, you know, when you were trying to decide whether or not this was something you wanted to do? If you're anything like me and you are a planner and you're very scared of like taking really, you know, the, the risk. Um, I would say, I mean, nobody wants to hear this, but like the savings that I, that I forced myself to save up the cushion, like has just, without that, I would be such a wreck right now. I would be mentally just, it's so important to do what you need to do to take on a manageable level of risk for your comfort and whatever that looks like for you. For me, it took, I mean, it took longer, but I had to have that small cushion to, to really get over the, the ledge. I, I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have just some kind of reassurance, whatever that looks like for different people. For me, I, you know, I just needed a little bit to know that like, I can take this risk and I can step back if it doesn't work out. And so just, just that planning and that's the unfun part. And, um, but it's better to be in those last few years you're in, <clears throat> it's better to be in there with a purpose and, you know, an end goal than just sitting there, like not even thinking about your own dreams. So. Yeah, that's great. Really great advice. Um, for me, I think that I would say, don't die with what ifs, set your plan and go for it. Trust that you have all the skills and you will figure it out as you go along. And yeah, you're going to make mistakes. You're absolutely going to make mistakes. And then you'll get a little bit smarter and next time you'll do a little bit better, but you don't want to overvalue like your life and the, the spot you're in now. If there's something out there that you're interested in, life is really short and you should go for it. hundred percent. Give it your all. And don't be afraid to fail and make mistakes. That, that is so true, Chelsea, because <laughs> you will, you absolutely will. Um, and I still do. I still am making changes constantly. I, you know, I'm still, I, situations come up that you can't predict and you handle it the best you can, you learn from it and you're like, okay, next time I would, I would probably handle it this way. <laughs> and, um, 
yeah, it, and the other thing, <laughs> the other thing that I would strongly advise people against is investing a lot of money in business coaching courses, course after course after course, because you're doing it because you're afraid. <laughs> you're afraid to just start running your business. You don't need to take all the courses. You definitely do not need to spend thousands of dollars on a business coach. They honestly don't know you and how you operate and their model does, won't necessarily work for you. And I, and I will speak from experience. That was probably the biggest lesson that I learned going into owning my own business was hiring a business coach that has a very different personality than me, approaches business very differently than me. And none of his models work for me. I threw it all out. I don't use anything, <laughs> any of the templates, any of it, because it just wasn't me. And not that it it's wrong because it works beautifully for other people, but it didn't work for me. And I was too afraid to just trust myself and trust that I would figure it out. Even if I failed a few times, I would figure it out. So um, that would be my biggest piece of advice is you just you, don't be afraid to fail and trust yourself. Trust that you will figure it out. You've come this far already <laughs> for a reason, right? Um, you've got the skills, you've got what it takes. So do it. Definitely. One last one I think that we all three have kind of benefited from is don't underestimate the value of your community and how they can help you because I mean, I, even if you're like an introverted person, it's so important to, to get yourself out there and network and, you know, reach out to the people around you um, for help or encouragement or ideas or collaborations, whatever it is. But like, they, there's so many resources in the room with you that you don't even realize sometimes until you start talking about it and like really getting yourself out there. So that's been it's been so crucial, like so many um, referral, so much referral business comes from, you know, just our friends and people we know. And so that's, that's been vital for me. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to have the conversations. Chelsea, did you have anything you wanted to add to that in your, your experience? You know what? I'm just over here laughing at your your comment about the the certifications and the trainings and the business coaches because I tried that path too for a while it's like maybe if I just keep getting all these certifications like then I won't actually have to do it because it's like it feels like you're being productive and heading towards where you want to go but like nothing replaces experience and so at some point you're just prolonging the process because you're scared to actually do it <laughs> and I remember talking with one of my coaches not a business coach just a, a uh, it was true. It was actually my nutrition coach at the time. And I would get running all these what if scenarios by her. <laughs> she was like, you've got to just do it. There's no, no replacement for that. The only way you're going to figure it out is if you just do it. And so I totally forgot about that piece. Cause like I said, my journey was two years of like trying to figure it out. And I definitely went through the, let's get tons of certifications <laughs> phase. <laughs> I think a lot of us <laughs> go through that phase. 
<laughs> so I cannot stress enough to the listeners. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't waste your money. <laughs> All right. Um, any any last last things that you'd like to throw out there? Um, you know, especially to younger, younger people, you know, even kids, teenagers, um, when it comes to any of it, strength training, being who you want to be, um, breaking norms, defining yourself by your own parameters, you know, any, any, anything else that you would like, like anyone, you know, who is still impressionable, to hear. Hmm. Um, I, I only wish that we had the amount of resources that kids have now. I, I can only wish that we had that when we were younger because, um, I don't know, maybe I would have seen more, like more entrepreneurs succeeding, you know, if, if Instagram or whatever was around at the time, like maybe I would have seen more examples of that. So I would say to kids now, like, you have so much of your fingertips. You have so many, so many mentors or, you know, role models out there that are, that are, um, probably doing what you're dreaming of doing. And so seek those people out and don't be afraid to, you know, ask them questions and, um, and also just, just try out a lot of things for yourself, figure out like who you really are and what you really want to do. Because I mean, most of us have spent so many years, you know, just doing things, for survival and never really putting thought into what's a way I can survive and also fulfill my own passions and dreams. So the earlier you can ask yourself those questions and really try to figure that out for yourself, um, it's just the more enjoyable life is going to be for you if you can if you can nail that down early. Yeah, ex excellent advice. Yeah, I think you're spot on there, Kendra. Um, we've just been really in sync on a lot of these different answers. But I think that first thing is to get out there and try a bunch of different things, figure out what you like and what you don't like, because what you don't like is just as valuable as information as what you do like. And then identify something that makes you feel alive and make you are thinking about it in your free time and, you know, researching it on the weekends and really geeking out on it. Something that gives you a sense of purpose. Um, and then go after it with no hesitations though I feel like the only way to go after um these sorts of dreams is a hundred percent in. like dipping your toe in is not the way to go about it um I'm like a firm believer in cannonballing into the deep end on these sorts of things like cut the safety net and of course like we have been talking about um make sure that you have a plan and you are prepared but just I think a big piece of this that I wish someone would have told me earlier is that um, having an abundance mindset really contributes to your success. Like if you believe that things are going to work out for you, chances are they're going to work out for you. Um, and without at the risk of sounding too woo woo, uh, what you think is going to happen will happen. So dream as big as you possibly can and then go for that goal. Absolutely. And be okay if where you end up looks somewhat different, but is still landing you 
you know, where you ultimately want to be, but be open to the fact that it could look quite different than what you originally envisioned. And mm -hmm. that's, absolutely. that is absolutely okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And the journey, the journey is always something to, to never overlook, enjoy the journey, enjoy getting there. And that's true for everything we've talked about. You know, it's true with, with your fitness and whatever sport you decide to get involved in. And if it's strength training, we all hope it is strength training, but <laughs> you know, it's, it, it applies to that too. It applies to every aspect. It applies to defining, you know, who, who you are um, and how you want to be perceived by the world. And so, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the whole process. And it's also, you know, as somebody who is, um, you know, in her fifties now, <laughs> it's something that I, I enjoy so, so much because it really is all about the journey. The, the end goals are great and, and it's fun to celebrate and it's fun to hit milestones and win awards and all that. But the process of getting there is really where all the magic happens. And don't don't overlook it. Don't brush it aside. Don't rush through it. You know, Chelsea, you brought up the patience thing. The barbell, <laughs> the barbell will will humble you quickly when it comes to being an impatient person because you have no choice. the The barbell is gonna do whatever the barbell is gonna do, and you can't control it. And you can't, you, you can't, you can walk into the gym with a plan, which is good to have a plan, but, but be okay that things may go differently. And again, that translates into every aspect of life. Um, so I like to, I like to wrap up these conversations um, with a couple questions. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm just going to ask one of the questions. Um, it's one of my favorite ones to ask. And it has to do with inviting someone over for dinner and they can be dead or alive. And if you can't just pick one, it can be more than one person. Who would you want to have over for dinner and why? And what would you eat? Oh, do you want to go first? I have no idea. <laughs> oh man. Um... Who would I invite over for dinner? Oh, that's so hard. I know you always hear these questions being asked and then you never really like think of what, you never can your answer <laughs> until you're on the spot. You're like, oh man, I had so much time to figure this out. Um, for me, it would probably be, um, probably musicians. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know why I can't even tell I can't begin to tell you why I would invite like Kurt Cobain over but I just for whatever reason that time period and I, I feel like he was very much ahead of his time I feel like he was very much an activist at the time we're in the early 90s and like very vocal about things that people are vocal about now um and so I would just want to yeah just kind of I don't know figure out I mean he's a very complicated person but I just want to figure out like how I don't know how he came across it how he came to those ideas and how he you know how he felt so empowered to talk about them so openly like they're you know like it was no big deal back then <laughs> when it really was um what would we eat 
Oh God, I don't know. I did. I don't even know if Kurt Cobain ate very much. <laughs> I don't I know. Just, I was just thinking. I'm like, was he vegan? I yeah, like, for I, I some would, reason I'm like remembering that he was vegan. Yeah, that would probably be a safe bet. That's just um, <laughs> being a good host. <laughs> I actually love that answer. Um, I I would like to get a, a a feel for how his brain operated because, like so many musicians, um, there's there's a complication and like an onion in their brains with so many layers, yes. so many layers. Yeah, love it this question asked so many times and I don't have an answer. <laughs> um, having a minute to think about it. I think that I would invite my grandma over. I, she immigrated from Finland and my mom's mom I'm talking about. And I never got a chance to know her. She died when I was younger and I would be interested in um, just getting to understand my family more and what life must have been like as um, an immigrant and just how our family came to be. So a bit of an outside the box answer, but that was the first thing that came to mind for me. There is no outside the box answer <laughs> to that question. It can be anyone you want. And I love that. What would you eat? Well, I suppose the answer here would be traditional Finnish food, which I don't even know what that is because I haven't been over there yet. I guess she would have to make it, not me. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you buy the ingredients, she tells you what to get, and then, yeah, why not? What's well, your answer, Heather? Who would, <laughs> Who would I invite? Who would I invite? I hate when guests turn it turn these questions <laughs> on me. <laughs> I always think I'm I always think I'm safe. <laughs> You're immune. Um so when I was asked this another time, I'll just I, I'll give a different answer, but at that time I, I said Cleopatra <clears throat> because I want to know what it was like to be a powerful woman back then. <laughs> and did she face the same, the same things that we're facing today? Um, so, so yeah, so that, that was a past answer. Um, but when you brought up Kurt Cobain, that like immediately my mind started thinking about that and I've always been fascinated by the musicians like Kurt Cobain, like Jimi Hendrix, like Janis Joplin, um, like, um, oh my God, I can totally picture her. She also died in her mid twenties. Um, are like this generation. Um, why can't I think of her name? Dark hair. Lana, oh, uh, yeah, 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 no, uh, yeah. Um, like 50s sounding, she had like a 50s vibe and sound. Why can I think yeah, of her name? Right? Yes, Amy Winehouse, thank you. So I would want to invite <laughs> a group of those musicians. It could be Janis Joplin and, and all the people I just named and 
really pick their brains about what it's like to be so invested in your music and the political statements that they made. You know, their music went so far beyond just singing and, and playing an instrument, right? It, it, there, they were, there were so many messages and they were such an important representation of their time and social issues and the things that, you know, people, a lot of people didn't want to talk about. A lot of people didn't want the change and didn't, and, and so I have so much respect for the musicians that gave a thousand percent of themselves and they all die young, but they leave such legacies behind them. And, and they will be talked about for eternity, right? So I'd love to get them all together and I'd love to just to hear them talking to each other as well. You know, like what, what would Amy Winehouse say to Jimi Hendrix or Janis Joplin? You know, what kind of conversations would they have? I just, I don't know. I want to make this happen. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting dinner. Yeah. And it would be a potluck. Everybody just bring what you want. <laughs> <laughs> see that's, that's my easy way out <laughs> so that that's who I would invite <laughs> well thank you so much um excellent conversation I loved hearing more you know at a deeper level how you both came to make your decision hearing about your fitness journeys and what powerlifting has brought into your life and, and just learning more about the both of you. I really appreciate you taking the time and being so thoughtful in your answers and, and sharing your stories with us. Thank you so much for having us, Heather. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have the support um, and all the similarities too. And just, yeah, cheering each other on. We can do it. It's it's scary, but we can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and um, audience, um, you know, feel free to reach out to any of us. Uh, we're, you know, just, I like to pay it forward. I know Kendra and Chelsea like to pay it forward. You know, we, we're here to help answer whatever questions you have about, about entrepreneurship, about strength training, whatever it is. Um, we'd love to answer your questions and help in any way that we can. So thank you again.